Welcome to Dirty Drinks, where infectious disease and infection prevention professionals get together and talk about everything dirty that keeps them up at night. Join co-hosts Dr. Rick Starlin and Sarah Stream as they talk to other professionals about the dirty things that they think about every day. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of Dirty Drinks. How are you, Rick? I'm doing well, Sarah. Yourself? I am fantastic. I had a, a nice relaxing weekend and I feel like I am refreshed and ready to take on the world again. Yeah, that's good. That's awesome. You need that for sure. Yeah. Um, what'd you do that was refreshing? Um, my best friend and I took a girl's trip up to the Black Hills. Ah, that's mm. certainly a nice place to go visit, especially in the summer. Yeah, it was very fun. It was nice to get away and not have to see the news for a couple of days. So. And now you're back to a Monday. Now I'm back to a Monday. <laughs> yes. How was your weekend? It was good. Thanks. It was, uh, it's always something going on with uh, COVID picking back up and these crazy subvariants that uh, decide that they don't care about prior infections uh, and things like that keeps it keeps it interesting and it doesn't re respect off hours or weekends which is no fun but you know it is what it is yeah well I hope you get some quiet time to relax a little bit soon yeah yeah looking forward to that yeah so we have another awesome guest today um, we were introduced to Miss Nancy Haverstitch through a mutual friend Peg Lubert who we've talked about a lot on this show and we haven't had on here yet. So I need to work on that. Yeah. Where is she? Where is she hiding from us? I think she is. She's, I think she might be. <laughs> she's good at skirting the issue of coming onto the show. She's good at suggesting other people to come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> welcome to the show, Nancy. It's so great to have you on. Thanks for the opportunity to talk with you. Yeah. yeah. Welcome. So um, let's start with a bit of an introduction. Would you mind telling everyone um, where you're from, how you got started in infection prevention, and kind of what your current projects are right now? Well, I always say I'm a nurse on a mission to prevent infections, and um, I'm quite seasoned in um, the world of infection uh, prevention. Um, I'm a, a grandmother, I'm a mother of two, and uh, a grandmother of four. And I started in infection, um, I was the infection control nurse at Lincoln General Hospital in, here in Lincoln. Um, and my qualifications were that I, long ago I taught uh, freshman nursing students isolation technique and <laughs> things like that. And then I'd been a staff nurse and, um, and I was willing to take it on. So it was a solo uh, practice in a 300 bed municipal hospital. And um, 17 years brought me the beginning of the AIDS epidemic and that kind of education, educating of employees and took care of the first AIDS patient that we had because the staff nurses were saying, 
yeah, but you don't really know and whatever. So I gave morning cares to um, that patient one day, just kind of to prove that I was willing to take the risk and go with the knowledge that we had. And I remember closing the door to the um, isolation room on the inside and thinking, boy, I hope, <laughs> I hope I'm right. I hope I know what I'm talking about. Um, and I didn't tell my family that until you know, much later. But so I survived the whole HIV AIDS um, situation. And um, after, after a long time, I set out to do um, consulting. Um, and before that, I went to Africa for a year and uh, reopened a school of nursing in Liberia after their civil war. And the Lutheran Church um, of Denmark sent me there. And so we reopened the school with funds from Denmark and volunteers um, from the Lutheran Church um, across the global church. I was a global mission volunteer. And what an experience that was. And um, when I came home, I started doing international work and 38 trips to Japan, teaching and training, um, 14 trips to the UK, twice around the world. Um, and so I, I've had some great experiences, but one thing I found everywhere I went is that no one likes microbiology and infection prevention go away. We don't want to talk about that. We don't want to talk about that until we're panicked because it's in, in our face. And so I just thought there's got to be a way to get people as excited about this as I am. Well, or maybe close. And uh, that's when I came up with my brainchild, the nanobugs. And I don't know if you're old, you two are old enough to remember a poster um, from Smith, Klein and French. That shows you how long ago. 1982, I think, is the copyright date on the poster. And it was to promote the antibiotic Timentin. And there were 36 um, cartoon microbes and with their names underneath them and done just just really clever. And it said, then, then there was a picture of a housefly at the bottom and it said, the only bug Timentin doesn't kill. Which, is, <laughs> which isn't true because there were only 36 kind of wimpy bacteria on there, but um, it was a wonderful promotion. And all the doctors and all the nurses, everybody just really loved that um, artwork. And so I thought this might be a way to to reach people with that. So I cut the poster off uh, from the fly on down and just had the 36 microbes put it in my um, office and it was a conversation starter lots of times. Then when I left the hospital, my home office, I had it on the wall and I found that my grandchildren would climb up onto the, the couch in front of it and say, what's this one, Nana? And I'd say, Pseudomonas originosa. And they'd say, cool. And now what's <laughs> this one? And so I thought, there, this, this might work out. And so that's how it, it started. 
I tried to buy those images um, from Smith Klein and French, which was by then Smith Klein and whatever. And I called around and talked to people that weren't even weren't even born in 1982. <laughs> and um, they couldn't give me permission for that. So I found a caricature artist in Lincoln who was tired of putting big ends on soccer <laughs> t-shirts and soccer balls and things like that. And so um, I showed him the poster and then I said, and we won't, after today, you won't see it again. So we put it away. So we got the idea of what I wanted to do. And then we began creating our own images. And there are to date 64 microbes, um, bacteria, viruses, protozoa, fungi, microscopic fungi. And um, so then I put them to work trying to entertain and educate people of all ages about practical microbiology and infection prevention. That's very cool. So I say that in the afternoon of my career, this is this is where I'm I'm going. You know, I don't think Sarah was alive in 1982, so she's another one to add to your list of those people. <laughs> I was not. No. <laughs> I was in middle school, so you know, <laughs> I I wasn't looking at Timetan posters then. Probably more uh, Sports Illustrated posters or something. <laughs> oh, that, that that means I really am old. <laughs> No, so this is great. So um, lots of stuff to digest there. And I think, I mean, going back when you were talking about the patient with HIV that was in the hospital, um, you know, how much the world has changed in the 40 years since uh, that pandemic kind of uh, got really picked up steam. Obviously, we now know that it started before that, but really most of the United States didn't really realize about it until the early to mid 80s or so. What was the world like then? I mean, infection prevention was way different than what we have now. Yeah, it, it had come up from the, when I took the position, it was, um, the previous title was contagion control nurse. <laughs> and so then it was infection control and then we became infection preventionists, which was hard for people to deal with. But you were kind of, uh, that was also the time when, I don't know if you know Dick Morin. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. That was just before Dick Morin came to town as an infectious, he's, he's had many roles. Yes, but, he has. Uh, as, um, as an infectious disease physician. And that was also the time when they were saying that infectious diseases are on the way out. And, you know, then he came to town and was not welcomed with open arms um, right away because that was taking a little piece of everybody's practice um, away. But pretty soon with antibiotic resistance and HIV and all these things popping up, it was like, oh, we need help. And so everybody was they weren't flocking to us, but, you know, infection prevention became, and control became um, a valued career. One of the things I didn't tell you is that um, one year at APIC, and I forget which year, at, at the end of APIC, the Canadian uh, Ministry of Health was requesting um, um, help from IPs to come and help with the SARS 
crisis. And I don't know how and why I raised my hand on that one too. And because I could be available and that was a valuable experience. And all the slides that I have that were so cool about the tents that they set up outside the hospitals to deal with patients, you know, and admissions and, and uh, triage and that sort of thing it all came true here just recently. So um, that was quite an experience, only I was just on the end of it. I was brought into um, as part of creating the new normal and reviewing and revising their infection control manual at the um, at one of the hospitals in Toronto, which had the index case. And so, and I arrived just after the death of an LPN nurse um, there. So it was still a lot of trauma. And so I was there for one month, put things back together and left with things, you know, had resolved a lot by then, but yeah. Yeah, wow. That's, that's a lot. Yeah. Um, opportunities. Yeah. Well, the eighties, the, the big opportunity in the eighties, I think was that was the decade of MRSA, right? We came into the eighties with a little bit of MRSA, you know, and everybody knew what it was, but boy, we certainly left the eighties with a lot of MRSA. And, you know, I had um, international friends, microbiologists and that who said, and I said, you know, what do we do? You know, give, give me some hints on how to manage and control like with MRSA. And they said, get used to it. it. Made me so angry. It was like, this is the way the world is evolving and you're gonna have to figure it out. You, you aren't gonna be able to snap your fingers and do any magic and get rid of it. And look at how that played out. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, uh, it seems like that's history is repeating itself with COVID, isn't it? Yeah. Kind of, that's where we're at. Get used to it, right? It's here. Unfortunately. You know, it's, it's frustrating to me to have to sit down to the evening news and hear, you know, what's the new variant and, you know, depend on my information coming from that place. But I also think, oh my goodness, I'm so glad that I'm not in the trenches like you all are right now. I, I guess I'm too old or too tired for, <laughs> for those challenges. But hats off to everybody that's practicing right now in this world of infection prevention and control. Wow. Well, thank you. It's been a crazy two years for sure. I think everybody is ready for maybe the new normal. I don't know. Yeah. And then something changes. So. Yeah. <laughs> So I wanted to ask, um, back when you were getting ready to take care of that first HIV AIDS patient, um, what was the atmosphere like in your hospital with, was there a lot of fear surrounding that? Yeah, and here we were in the Midwest, you know, and we'd had lots of, we'd heard a lot about California and New York and, and all the, the cases and and through APIC and organizations like that, this wasn't like something that just popped out of nowhere. We finally had a case that, that was diagnosed. So it was later on, but we had been doing with annual in-services, you know, I'd been doing education about um, 
what is HIV and how do you manage it and that sort of thing. But when it came down to actually admitting a patient um, that we thought had HIV AIDS um, because diagnosis wasn't you know as rapid as it is now. So, um, but even some of the nurses that I was a little surprised it was down to, yeah, but now we're talking about me and my family. And, um, and you expect me to go in there just based on what you've told me and you don't even, do you really know if that's how it's transmitted and that we can't get it from sweat? And if you, you know, it was all those kinds of questions, which is why that was a reminder when I closed that door and said, I hope, I hope I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but a lot of nurses were frightened and, and, and that resolved pretty quickly. And, and that patient didn't stay in the hospital very long. But that was back when there were jokes but about shoving their food tray under the door, you know, and, and uh, that sort of thing. And so, and that's all based on fear. Yeah, fear can certainly be a powerful motivator. We saw that with the beginning of, uh, you know, the COVID pandemic, for example. There was a lot of fear with that. Just what you don't know is, uh, you know, can be scary for sure. But uh, that's a large part of what infection prevention is, right? Is is you don't know something, so you prepare yourself and you protect yourself. Um, you know, identify and isolate and prepare yourself to go in, to be able to take care of these people. That's what we train for, and that's what we try to offer to everybody, right? Well, and that's what I wanted to do with my nanobugs is like, we do know stuff. <laughs> we do know a lot of microbiology, a lot more than we used to. And so let's share that with people and stop calling them germs, call them microbes. And then the, the STEM universe opened up and I thought this is gonna be a great opportunity for us to share and to make it cool to, to be able to say the genus and species of all these microbes. And um, that was starting to happen. And then COVID came along and kind of interrupted things. But I, yeah, I so, so tell us about nanobugs. So um, I'm sitting here looking at some of these pictures here. They, they look pretty cool. Well, we took that, you know, that poster, um, and I don't even know if you can find it anymore, but the one thing I liked about that was I said, these are morphologically correct. If the, my, if the bacterium was a rod, then they, it had a rod-shaped body. And if it was cocci, like Staph aureus, it had, the body was a cluster of uh, balls. And so then I added, you know, created this conceptual framework. So if it was an anaerobe, um, we put a gas mask on them because they don't like oxygen. So, um, you know, my, my artist who was trying to get into this and he's a scuba diver and he said, you could put a scuba tank on the back of all of them. And I said, oh, no, 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 no. That's exactly wrong um, because that would be delivering oxygen to them, which they don't like. So um, then the other thing was, uh, was spores. If you look at the image of Clostridium botulinum, um, she's a pregnant rod and the, 
the um, pregnancy is spores. And she's wearing a gas mask because she's anaerobic. And so it, it just helps you to remember and, and understand. And, you know, I, I thought this has got to work because at that time, my grandchildren were interested in Pokemon. And here I am buying these cards of made up things and they memorized all those facts about this Pokemon and that Pokemon. And I thought they can, they can do the same. It's, it could be just as valuable. And so I, I had a little trouble with the, um, and I also wanted the genus and species to be associated with them because I didn't want somebody to steal them and turn them into little satanic creatures or something and, and uh, play with them. And, you know, one day, not too long ago, I was in Starbucks and working on writing nanobug stuff. And I saw this older guy, he had his graying hair, and he was looking at a microbiology textbook. I thought, oh, I wonder if this is a second career for this guy or whatever, because he was so intent in this textbook. And so as I was leaving, I took my business card over to him and I said, are you a student? He said, no, I'm the professor. And he was professor of microbiology and a former EIS um, um, person with CDC. And then when I, he saw my business card, he said, he blushed and he said, you know, I found the nanobugs online and I've been using them and putting them in my slides too. He said, it really helps get the interest of students um, going. And then we try to figure out why is it wearing a gas mask? Why is it, you know? So I, I think it's, I think it's, it works. Um, my problem is I was a nurse and becoming an entrepreneur and I didn't really have any idea how that goes. But it was at the time when entrepreneurship was increasing and there were resources in Lincoln. And so I took my retirement funds and turned it into a business. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the mistakes was that I didn't, um, I didn't reserve enough for um, marketing. And so it, and that gets really expensive sharing your, your wonderful um, nanobugs with the world. So I did lots of freebie promotion, you know, type of things. And um, over the years, it's just been really cool. And I've gotten into each of the tribes of nanobugs, the foodborne, and did coloring books for mothers and culinary arts students and to make that easier on them or STI nanobugs. I have a program that so far has been used in one um, um, alcohol treatment program because they have to teach um, prevention of sexually transmitted diseases. And so do the, um, the prison systems have to, um, and they've used uh, my program in a limited capacity because can you imagine that audience? I used to complain that um, I needed something like the nanobugs because you sit down to do an in-service and you start talking microbiology and everybody's eyes roll back into their heads and they're out like a light. <laughs> so I wanted you know, to do something like that. 
then we added animation and one-liners. Every one of them has a slogan or a one-liner. I'm okay on your skin, but don't let me get in is Staph aureus. And so that kind of helps you remember what tribe they, they are in and could be a part of. So um, it's been absolutely wonderful. My elder daughter helped me get started um, and get the business sort of built, but then I couldn't afford her as an employee. Um, and so she went on and she works for the state now, but um, that, that was so fun working with the artist and laughing our heads off at, you know, some inside jokes and some things that we create, some humor we created with the nanobugs. And I don't know if you've looked at hepatitis A, that's a 3D animation. And I hired a guy to help me do a rap. And it was so popular. I took it to schools, elementary schools. And after one point, uh, one minute, 53 seconds of that uh, little video, they knew how hepatitis A was transmitted and um, how you prevent it and you know, what kind of infection it causes. And people said, you should do a wrap for everything. Well, first of all, I couldn't afford that. And second of all, you want to keep it, you know, different. And, um, but when we were making that, we went to the studio and we added some sound effects. So the flatulence, my, my grandchildren thought, oh man, this is so cool. Can we have a copy of that? <laughs> <laughs> great. <laughs> In case so, they didn't know what diarrhea meant, they had a little sound effect and, you know. I'll have to listen to the hepatitis A rap for sure. I see yeah. it now. Yeah. So for all of our listeners out there, if you have not yet gone to nanobugs.com, you should really do that and check out all of the nanobugs. They're fantastic. I think my favorite is streptococcus mutants because I'm a dental nerd as well. Really? <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah. I come from a dental background. So I wish I would have had these when I was an educator. It would have been so much easier to teach micro to my students. Well, I learned so much, Sarah. I learned that actually strep mutans is the only bacterium that causes tooth decay. There's a whole bunch of microbes that cause gum disease and, and all of that. And so my own dentist taught me that. So I came up with that particular, um, Nanobug, he didn't, my dentist didn't like the fact that we use the sound of a drill. Um, that one lighter is, um, if I visit some day, your teeth will decay. And then we have the sound of a drill. And he said, you're, you're working against me. We're supposed to make people want to come to the dentist, let them with a drill. But I don't know anybody that wants to go to the dentist, honestly. I think that's just like a wrong sentence to even say. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if your dentist taught you this little fun fact, but tooth decay is actually infectious. So yes. um, kids aren't born with streptococcus mutants. They are they get it from their parents usually. Yep. They're from their mother. Yeah. Yep. We we talked about that um, in our household too, especially when my daughter was my coworker. <laughs> yeah. What's your favorite nanobug, Rick? Well, I like varicella and rabies, like, cause just because I think they're very, 
they tell you a lot just by what the picture is. Well, you know, I had a little trouble conceptually with viruses. So um, we, we made them um, have one eye mm -hmm. and, um, and uh, then a, basically a spherical structure. And then we added things like the, the, um, the bat look on the, the rabies and that sort of thing. Um, and the chicken look on the varicella, I think it's great. <laughs> so, yeah. My, we ended up um, making our own business cards. We put our own favorites on it. And I put um, Clostridium botulinum on, on my business card because I just think that represents everything. She's so gorgeous and full of spores and anaerobe. <laughs> wearing a gas mask fashionably <laughs> it is this is super great i'm just like scrolling through all the photos looking at your little guys they're fantastic well you know um i just um i just sold a thousand temporary tattoos to um this summer to university of maryland they were using them for uh, a big fair they were having and so Lots of infection preventionists have um, used the tattoos and they have the full name on them. And um, sometimes infection control week, people have gotten um, t-shirts that match, you know, that with the nanobugs on, on the t-shirt and just trying to do the same thing, engage people to want to learn more. Yeah, I think this gets back to a recurring theme of, of, you know, we have to find ways to get people interested in, you know, start off with microbiology or whatever, but we have, uh, you know, we have to get young people interested in infection prevention. I mean, we have to have this continuing to go forward. The momentum over the last 40 to 50 years has been great, but clearly the job is not done and we have to continue to, to get people to want to go into this field. And it seems like, I mean, it's predominated by nurses, right? I mean, predominantly, it doesn't have to be. Sarah herself is not a nurse, but nurses have so many opportunities for things that they can do. It, it, the field has just exploded for opportunities for nurses, which is tremendous, but we have to sell this as important and interesting and a way you can build a career and really make a difference. And so I think this really helps to, to bridge some of the gap because, I mean, looking at these words, even just saying some of them is intimidating. How are you going to know what, what the heck they are? Yeah. I've worked with the Environmental um, Health Science Program out of universe, uh, Western Kentucky University. And um, I did, um, I wrote some um, of the chapter on microbiology for their textbooks. And, you know, they're saying, people need to know this. This is, um, you know, you're going to be a food inspector. You got to know what the bugs are. And so um, there's just so many fields. One of my goals is to make people interested. And I think STEM and, and you, you probably know STEAM is the reference now is the acronym and the A stands for art. And here I am adding art to science, technology, engineering, and math. And all of that is included in epidemiology. And so my um, secret goal is that 
I want young people to get interested in goal in uh, careers in microbiology, but mostly epidemiology. And so I'm writing a fiction book for a young, young adult audience, maybe middle grades, but young adult audience. And it's um, an international science, takes place in an international science camp in Brazil with um, science prodigies from eight different countries are selected to come. So, um, and groom them for the next pandemic and that sort of thing. And so it's like, maybe I can do, I can do for um, microbiology what uh, Jurassic Park did for paleontology and what, um, you know, you gotta have some um, opportunity for students to see what's cool. I mean, so what's so cool about this? What would be, what would make it worth getting up and going to work in the morning? Might not always be great. Right, right. Changing gears for just a second. So you said you spent a significant amount of time in Africa and Liberia. I, I think you said it was after their civil war, is that right? Yeah, um, one year, 12 months. And their civil war ended what in like 2000, early 2000s, didn't it? Um, no, before that, because before I that. was there 99 to 2000. Okay, okay. And um, of course, it took a while for the money to come up and, you know, that sort of thing. But the School of Nursing and Paramedical Training Programs in um, um, this school that I was dealing with, which was one of the major ones, it's not, in, wasn't in Monrovia, it was north of there, um, but they had paramedical training programs besides nursing. They had nurse midwives, midwives, one anesthesia, nurse anesthetist student, um, and then um, diploma grads, uh, nurses, and what else? They say microbiology, microbiologists. So uh, putting that program back together physically and then getting the curriculum, getting the skeleton and to go in the library when the library was finished and all the textbooks and that sort of thing. And then I stayed and taught um, infection um, control in the, the first trimester of school. And I taught communication and um, infection control. And so that was my reward. <laughs> That's awesome. What a great project. Oh, it was absolutely fab fabulous. And I still have friends, um, you know, and uh, that's one of the neat things about working closely, especially with something like infection prevention and control, because when you work alongside of people in an environment that's this scary and risky or, you know, um, you get close. <laughs> and so I have lifelong friends in um on five continents that's awesome you said you'd also been to japan what did you do in japan um i went with a um, medical products company and japan was like about 12 to 15 years behind us in infection control and having people designated and um in hospitals and that sort of thing and so they used to, Bard used to um, 
do summer seminars and take an infection preventionist and go um, throughout the country and um, you know give these lectures. They treated you very nice. And so I started doing that and then ended up um, going five times a year and created a training program because there was a lot of infection preventionist wannabes. And so we graduated, I forget, 65 from, from that program. It was five sessions um, uh, over one year period of time. And then also consulted with some hospitals, you know, um, while I was there. I learned to love sumo and green tea and um, <laughs> yeah. Great yeah. You're just a world traveler, Nancy. Yeah, and I have no interest in in doing that now. Now I'm at my desk, I'm writing. And I think that's gonna be my legacy, the nanobugs and writing fiction and nonfiction um, to, to help people on my mission. <laughs> yeah, no, that's terrific. Uh, doing a lot of education, which is invaluable. So I think uh, everybody in medicine should appreciate that. Any thoughts of making us into a, like a game? Um, we have, we started on a game, um, and you know, the, the card collection was to copy the, um, the Pokemon cards mm -hmm. and that, that craze. And when I took those to stores, this was before STEM education, um, they said, okay, what's a game? And I said, well, it's not a game. And then we started putting on the box, it says, microbiology in a box. It's, it's not a game, it's, it's, it's not a game, it's an education. And it's microbiology in a box. We do have playing cards. <laughs> and there's- What's to focus on your face only. <laughs> um, there's an image and the full name on the, the card. And there's still the, the diamonds and clubs and whatever, but we thought um, at that time, lots of college students were playing poker. And so we thought, well, this might be an interesting deck to add to their collections. And then I came up with a, a card game called Mix the Nanobugs. And it's um, Uno sort of related. You know, I, I hesitate to say that, um, but the, uh, the wild card is lactobacillus because lactobacillus is a probiotic. And so we want to differentiate between pathogens, probiotics, non-pathogenic. You know, I've got lots of agendas within this, this whole microbiology world. That's very cool. You know, if you want to to make it kind of like Pokemon because they battle each other, right? With their cards, they have statistics and stuff. You could make some antibiotics and antivirals, and then they could battle each other. That would be such a fun game. <laughs> that would be fun. Well, and, and you know, I started. I started with trying to do um, an app game with um, Foodborne and with cooking. And so, if you cooked and kept them out of the the microbes out of the danger zone. Um, 
then you, you know, you got points and, but somebody was just exploring it with me. If you contract with a game developer, you're talking major, you know? Yeah. Right. My products, those, the, the cards collection and the playing cards and the Nix the Nanobugs game are, are provided now through a company called, a distributor called um, Breaking Games. And they have a division called uh, Breaking Minds um, to do educational types of games. But they're mostly board games for millennials, because there's a lot of millennials that are really into board games. Um, but mine isn't as exciting as that. And Sarah, you're right. But how can we get money into it? You know, make it monopoly-ish <laughs> and add, you know, tokens and yeah. fomite. Are they fomites or? <laughs> yeah, now like my brain, you need a reservoir and you need yeah. a bug and you need a treatment and you need a susceptible host, like all of it. I'm yeah. all in. The community chest becomes a reservoir. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh, this is so much fun. It, it could be really fun. Um, the only thing that that I'm thinking is it, it just requires um, uh, a, a large amount of funding in this this day and age to get the word out there. And that's why I'm so glad that we're talking about this today to your audiences because uh, maybe they haven't heard of nanobugs and maybe it will help spice up their um their education um efforts and that sort of thing yeah well i think if you do end up coming with a coming up with like a board game concept you should totally put it on kickstarter and i will back it okay well that's that's one beginning is <laughs> is going now we have kickstarter and that sort of thing i've looked for grants too if you know of any grants I um, did my coloring books, uh, the foodborne coloring books, on the end of a STEC grant. USDA um, um, put, uh, gave a grant to the University of Nebraska to um, develop a uh, rapid test for STEC. And um, at the end of it, you know, they take what's left over at the end of the grant period and use it for community education and that sort of thing. So I have a USDA endorsement on the back of um, those coloring books and the original ones were printed uh, free. I didn't have to pay for them, but they had to be given away. So they were at Hy-Vee and they were, you know, at uh, Lincoln Public Schools and that sort of thing. And I can still keep the endorsement on the back um, when I print now, but that's awesome. Supply chain issues have been huge too. Um, that have gotten in the way of of moving moving forward with stuff like this. But I'm hoping that that will find its way. You know. Yeah. Well, we are coming up on the top of the hour, so. I wanted to give you an opportunity to ask us a question if you would like. Rick, did you like microbiology when you were going through medical school? Yeah, that's a great question. So I took it actually the first time in undergrad. Um, and I thought it was interesting, but I found it particularly difficult. And I found it 
hard to to get information that was um, you know not in a textbook and not super complicated that was somewhat easy to understand. And so I can't say that I loved it. The class that I loved in undergrad that got me interested in infectious disease was actually a, a parasitology class, um, which <gasps> I thought was interesting because it was easier for me to understand the host and the life cycle because they were things that I could see, like it was like a snail or it was a, you know, something, you know, some, it was a body of water, you went in the water, something went into your skin, it was, you know, a little bit, and that's what really got me interested in it, the small things, and figuring out gram stains, and, you know, lactose fermenting, and memorizing oxidase tests, and all these other biochemical reactions, to me was, I found that hard and complicated, I mean, and at the end of the day, nowadays we don't even use that that much anymore because everything is identified different ways you don't have to know all those biochemical tests so in medical school I loved microbiology um, by that time I'd heard most of it again once and so it made a lot more sense to me um, that time but I tell you the first time it was hard and keeping it all straight um, and when I, I hated microbiology in nursing school because it required uh, memorization. And, you know, that's hard work. But we did it back then. And um, well, I think the hard part for me was I didn't even know what I was memorizing. It's like I can memorize stuff, but it helps me a little bit more if I have a frame of reference of why am I memorizing this? You know, yeah. what does this even mean? What does it matter? Um, and that was part that was hard. And, you know, but, it, you know, I don't know, but it, it's fun now. My grandson, my youngest grandchild is turned 16 last month. And last week he took food handlers, um, the test to be get a food handlers permit. And now he's working at a chicken fast food um, place. And um, it's amazing what he re recalls. Um, and he thanked me for what, what he had learned. And he wasn't even that interested, you know. <laughs> But when they talked about spores and botulism, he was right on it. So, you know, maybe if we can prep people before that. And, you know, environmental health science, um, the neat part uh, for them with microbiology is because it is tied to something. And with epidemiology, you're always looking at what it could be and why did you think that? And so that kind of logistical, you know, conceptual thinking is good. Yeah, we need to play some on the the uh, detective part of it and the thinking part of it and the the you yeah. know the parts that we think are interesting. You know the the outbreak investigations and trying you know what's the point source and how do we where did this come from and how do we keep this from happening again and stuff like that as opposed to memorizing you know, staph aureus yeah. is catalase positive, coagulase positive. I mean, that's, that, no, who, who cares about that? that? That's not the fun part. That would be a fun game too, to do like an outbreak investigation with your nanobugs. Yeah. See, you guys get it. I love this. Yes. <laughs> get it. And so my goal is that everybody gets this excited about thinking about, okay, how could we do this? You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's so much fun. Yep. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us. Yes, thank you for inviting me. This has been, this, you made my day. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're glad, we're glad.
Is there anything else that um, you'd like to hit on before we wrap it up? I'll, I'll think of it as soon as we wrap it up. But, oh, okay. You know, yeah. I... <laughs> awesome. So um, for all of our listeners out there, I will put the link to the Nanobugs website into our show notes if you'd like to check it out. There is um, a tab on their website to contact us. So uh, if you have questions or would like more information, I'm sure Nancy would be happy to chat with you about that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and this has been a really fun chat, Nancy. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Good luck. Thank you. I'm so glad Peg Lubert put me on to you guys. Yes, now we need to get Peg. Bother Peg yes. for us so she'll come yes. on to the show. I will. I tell, will. Her, tell her we're not that bad. It's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to you later. Thank you. Awesome. Uh -huh. Thanks, Nancy. Bye, everyone. Bye. And for all of our listeners out there, don't forget to join us on Twitter in the conversation, and we will catch you next time on Dirty Drinks. Thank you for joining us for today's episode. If you enjoyed this content, please share it with your friends. And don't forget to be a part of the conversation by following us at dirty underscore drinks on Twitter. If you would like to share your story, reach out to us through Twitter to become a guest on future episodes. We would love to meet you. Have a great week and make sure to get your fill of dirty drinks.